0: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, in high fidelity. Hello hockey fans and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McFeefe. With Pat Quinn, you know, might be like the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn
1: Milarchek. There's something about George McSee that everybody says is a good
0: pick. (laughs) This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the MLB Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome once again to a live episode of the Baby Pockets Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa out in Long Island, New York. Chris, good day to you, sir. How are you today?
2: We're hanging in there. We're a little under the weather this week, but we've been battling through, so we're hanging in there.
0: Well, I can sympathize with you. I had a couple of weeks there back not too long ago, and it just didn't seem to want to go away. So hopefully hopefully you'll be able to struggle through Uh Good hockey fan that you are, sir. Let's get a little business taken care of right off the top. Uh, First-time listeners, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. We're also available on Google Play, and you can get links to our show on VegasHockeyPodcast.com, where once in a while we'll drop an article or two as well. Um, Chris is a New York Islanders contributor for the fan-sided page, Eye on Isles FS. He had a couple articles dropped this week. Chris, why don't you tell everybody about your most recent articles?
2: Yeah, it breaks down uh, the Islanders' uh, playoff hopes. It's called the New Hope uh, with the recent good play of the team. And uh, there's a lot of considerations in terms of uh, their upcoming schedule, uh, the games in hand that they have, uh, the teams that they play down the stretch. So uh, definitely check it out. Too. It's a really good breakdown of where the team is at.
0: And also, make sure you go over to the HockeyWriters.com podcast page. We're also featured among their family of podcasts. Uh, they got a lot of great content over there, a lot of good hockey podcasts. So if you're listening to us, you listen to Hockey podcasts, and they've got fan-specific Bruins and Lightning pages. They've got general NHL stuff and all kind of good content. And a lot of our guests do come from the HockeyWriters.com writers writers. Right stable of writers over there. So uh, if you're familiar with any of our guests a lot of them are from the hockey riders. They do a good job over at hockeywriters. So make sure you get over there and check us out too But uh, anyway, let's break the ice. We're at the all-star break and last night the NHL did uh, drop their top 100 of 100 players of all time kind of Similar to the vein that the NBA did a few years ago when they did their top 50 players of all time and it's not really I mean it gives it gives fans and you guys like us something to banter about and talk about. it. you know, it's it's hard to compare Guy Lefleur with Patrick Kane and, and so on and so forth. But uh I know I know we were talking earlier this morning, Chris, you didn't see any of that, but there I went through the, the social media platforms today and, and kinda got a list of a few players that seem to be majority slighted, if you will. Um, it's just fun to banter about for for a second before we get into where everybody's at at the All-Star break, risers and fallers, and uh, moving on into the Vegas lane and our guest today. So uh, it seemed like most most consistently mentioned as a, a slight or, a, or a oversight on the, on the top 100 was uh, Phil Housley. and Also honorable mention, uh, Charo was brought up, Thornton I thought quite a bit, um, you know, modern players versus older players, blah blah blah, yada yada yada. But uh, I, I, I kind of fall in the Phil Housley camp. Just if you're the fourth highest scoring defenseman of all time and the number one scoring defenseman that's American born, I think somewhere there's got to be a spot for you on this list. And I, I don't know if you had a chance to look at it a little bit since we talked this morning, Chris. But just, uh, just w- off the top of your head, what do you, what do you think of? of may or may not have been in, and and Phil Housley's kind of oversight there on the list.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to look at it. I was finishing up uh, my next Islander article, which is going to drop early next week, uh, early to mid-next week. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously Phil Housley was an incredible player um, to see his whole career. Uh, I think when you do these kind of lists, at a certain point, I'm not sure if it's you know, the 80 or the 85 mark, maybe it's probably the 90 mark. You know, the next, those final 10, 15 slots is probably, you know, 40 players you could make an argument for that should be in that final top 100 in any of these kind of sports for the most part. And and, and then, you know, then it's very difficult to me, you know, in terms of, well, right. what teams did they play for? What errors were they in? Things of that nature. But, I mean, look, uh, I think any team today would, would would give their right arm to have a Phil Housley lead their, lead their uh, blue line and lead their team. And uh, so I, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I would have to see the list of those players, uh, uh, those last few players who made the top 100. But my guess is you're really going to be splitting hairs on who should be on and who should be off.
0: Right. Well, the w- one way they did they did present it. They didn't do it, it as like a countdown from a hundred down to one. They did it by decade. So these were your top few players from the fifties, forties, thirties, seventies, eighties, so on and so forth. But I'll give I'll give you a I'll give you a, a trade right now. Uh, Duncan Keith made the list, and if if you're a general manager, do you trade Duncan Keith for Phil Housley straight up?
2: Yeah, those are you know they're two very different kind of players. You know it depends upon. Uh... Upon what you need. Uh, if, if I were to offer the Toronto Maple Leafs of today a trade for tomorrow where they trade one of their bright, young uh, offensive, uh, my guess is they would pick Duncan Keith based on their team needs, and that's not a slight on Phil Housley, where another team, uh, given their team needs, might, uh, might need a Phil Housley. So, uh, I, you know, uh, again, I, I think that both terrific players Duncan Keith brings a lot to the table, that uh, and he has his strengths uh, that maybe Phil Housley doesn't, and vice versa. So, uh, a huge fan of both. Uh, you know, again, if you feel that someone's probably going to point to the reason Duncan Keith made the list, I'm just guessing here, is you know he's a he's a what a three-time Stanley Cup champion, and uh, I don't believe Phil Housley ever won the cup. I could be wrong about that. Uh, uh, um, I don't believe I am, but um, you know, again, is that his fault that he played for really good teams, but not great teams? So I, I, I think that's what happens when you fall into this.
1: Yeah,
0: then no, no, hundred percent,
2: hundred percent, and that's not a slight. You know, when you you
0: bandy these things about, it's not a slight on anybody who made the list. Um, a lot of it just comes into personal preference and how old we are, as opposed to how old the people that voted on it are, as opposed to how old the kids are that, I mean, it's funny. Uh, they were saying, uh, I think I saw him interviewing Austin Matthews and they asked him, you know, who he modeled his game after and, and, you know, who he, who he idolized kind of when he was growing up and he said, Patrick Kane. <laughs> so, I mean, it, the, the generational gap there is, is, is quite apparent and that. That's the kind of thing you run into when you're doing lists like this, but it, it was fun to watch just the NHL royalty, past and present, parade across the stage there. It was it was kind of fun to watch. But anyway, let's move on with the All-Star break, and uh, we get, we're, we're starting to see a little bit of the the playoffs position shake out. Although it's a super tight race in the East, maybe a little more so than the West, but in the West as well. Um, what jumps out to you here? It's a little past the halfway mark. Most. Most teams, I guess, are about 50, 51, 52 games played. So, what uh, what's your story on the first half of the season?
2: Yeah, like I said, when uh, we did our about around New Year's Day or our mid-season review, definitely been a story of uh, of surprises. And um, I, you know, obviously, uh, the, you know, a lot of the good divisional races. I think the wild card races are going to be really in, insane, especially in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but, you know, if you look at even the Western Conference, so the two wild cards right now, uh, you have two teams at 53 points for both of those wild card sport spots. And then you have two teams at 52 and then two teams at 50. So, um, and then the Eastern Conference is even uh, even crazier than that. So, you know, games in hand and ROW and, and uh, you know, head-to-head matchups uh, are really going to come down uh, – and odds are, I mean, it'd be shocking if the last uh, uh, day or two there wasn't uh, a bunch of teams uh, uh, in contention, but yet not uh, not qualify for the playoffs yet.
0: No, for sure, and uh, I I
2: kind of I
0: kind of agree with that. We've got we'll go into the the risers and fallers a little bit here. I got uh, this week we got the Isles rising and and I know that's near and dear to your heart with a 6 and one in their last seven and also undefeated since uh Nuggy Wake came in and, and took over behind the bench so the what's impressive to me about that isn't that they're moving closer to the 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 wild card spot but the number of teams they were able to jump when you get 13 out of 14 points I think from the start of that run they've jumped five teams in that wild card playoff race um what uh they, it looks like they were starting to play well a little before the change. But have you seen a difference since, since Mr. Wade took over there?
2: Yeah, they're playing better in their own zone. They're, they're trying to. I think they've made a big strides in terms of the amount of time playing in their own zone. Uh, I think they're playing with their uh, a little less tension in terms of the tightness of their sticks. John Tavares has been uh, really incredible. As I as, as I would also give a shout-out to Nick Letty and the guy really under the radar, Thomas Rice, who's who has one of the top save percentage uh, numbers in, in the league uh, so far this year as well. It's kind of gone under the radar. He was third last year, by the way, in that category. I believe he's third again. Uh, and also, I see a belief in the team, and I also see uh, resiliency. That really haven't seen all year. And interesting about their schedule, as much as they've risen, you know they have games in hand on almost all the teams around them, and both uh, right below them or right above them. Um, you know they have five points back of the Flyers for that last wild card spot, uh, which you know uh, takes a little work to do. But they have three games in hand on the Flyers. You know they have games in hand on everyone in the conference, I believe, except for Toronto and Ottawa. Uh, they have five games in hand on the Bruins, as an example, and they're only uh, five points behind them as well. And interesting about their schedule, the last point on them is, of the final 35 games for the Islanders, eight will be against the Devils and the Hurricanes. So those will uh, the Devils and the uh-huh. Hurricanes will decide a lot if uh, the Islanders make the playoffs or not. So, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of interesting notes uh, about that.
0: All right, jumping over to the west a little bit for uh, the other riders that we have this week. I I, I, I remarked the sharks who are four one and zero and went from from a few points back and and I know the Pacific is a tight race anyway, but they uh, they they back up to first place in the division for four one zero in their last five, so they seem to be coming back into form. And then also the predators um, continue to to come from out of the pack and solidify their hold on third place in the Central, uh, you know, expanding their lead over one of my continuous followers from last week, the St. Louis Blues, uh, one and four in their last five, outscored I think it's 22 to 12 or 22 to 13 or something in that span. So goaltending continues to be a problem yeah. for the Blues, giving up 22, 23 goals in just five games. Um, break
2: down the central a little bit with uh, Fred's rising, Blue's falling. Yeah, I mean, I think Nashville's played a little bit better uh, than uh, the Blues and the Flames and the Kings and the Canucks. So, uh, I, you know, um, so uh, but, you know, obviously to get that third automatic spot in the central, Blues do have goalie issues. Something just of note and goes back to the Islanders. This past week it was reported that the Blues had a bunch of scouts at uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut when the Islanders the AHL team took on the Bruins the AHL team and uh, the Bridgeport Sound Tigers with Yaroslav Halak in goal, uh, won in overtime, one nothing. So uh, it's possible that it could be looking at Halak uh, in terms of getting some goalie depth there and and taking maybe the pressure off Jake Allen as well and kind of going back to that 1A one A kind of scenario, just something to throw out there. Obviously, he was put on waivers about three weeks ago. And since then, the Blues, I think, has really gone under. So it would be interesting if he was waived today, if they would have claimed him. So, uh, yeah, the Blues, uh, it, it's funny, the Blues and the Tampa Bay Lightning are in serious danger of not making the playoffs, and if you told to, told me at the beginning of the year that in, by the spring of 2017 one of these two things would happen—either I would win the uh, some form of a lottery, uh, real lottery—or the Blues and the Lightning would miss the playoffs—I would say, well, when do I cash in my ticket next year? You know, so uh, <laughs> right, right, right. It, 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 it's it's shocking to be quite honest uh, where those two teams are at.
0: Well, I, I really looked hard at putting uh, Florida and Tampa on the the fallers list, but they don't they don't have anywhere to fall to. They just have been consistently at that level, so uh,
2: they're not rising,
0: they're not falling, they're just kind of staying where they're at, which doesn't look good for their playoff hopes. Let's uh, let's bring in the Vegas Lane. I see him I see him on hold there, and we'll kick off our our weekly segment with Dana Lane, who's the play-by-play voice of the UNLV State Rebels. Also the co-host of the Vegas Hockey Hotline on KFHP 1400 AM in Las Vegas with uh, Brian Blessing, also owner of Dana Lane Sports, sports handicapper, prognosticator, and purveyor of all sports information that you need
3: to know. (laughs) Dana, good day to you, sir. How are you? Man, that is getting... That is sounding better and better every week. You have got that (laughs) intro down, man. (laughs) How are you? I'm actually... I'm good. I'm
0: taking a page off your book from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my daughter had a little martial arts seminar, and while you were driving nice. around L.A. doing the show on that, I'm actually on my way back to the house from uh, watching her destroy a little bit of martial arts this morning. So, um,
3: well, that's right. There, is... Drive- <laughs> there, there uh, is nothing better than watching your daughter uh, be another daughter to a pulp. So welcome to the weekend.
0: Sir and boys don't uh, in her school she spars boys too and none of them really want to fight her. She's a third degree black belt now in Taekwondo and also
2: a uh, yellow <laughs> going to
0: green, green belt in in mixed martial arts training as well. So uh, it's uh, very comforting as a father to know my thirteen year old daughter is well taken care of. But uh, we're, we're off on a tangent a, a little bit, sir. Um, l- last night Rebels game.
3: Uh, yeah,
0: twenty one. 20. You, I, you were pretty busy in the booth calling
3: goals, sir. Uh, Absolutely. Um, and the funny thing about that is that SMU had a one nothing lead at about five minutes into the game. And, uh, and so we were th- thinking, well, wow, maybe this is going to be a game. But uh, SMU was completely outmatched. They were winded. Uh, this was a program that had not played since October for various reasons. This was their first road trip, I'll, and, and your first road trip. You're going to go to Las Vegas. Good luck st- staying uh, mentally focused on that one. Uh, but certainly, um, it, it got to be to the point where you know they were UNLV was trying to call the dogs off. I mean, you had, and Coach Greener was like, you know, we're trying to, the coach to, to take uh, the pressure off, but. You know, at the same time, you can't tell the kids to stop skating, and so they were just, they were better in every aspect, but at the same time, I give SMU a lot of credit because they had a emergency goaltender in there who was usually a forward, and, you know, you got what you got, and hopefully we'll get a more competitive game tonight.
0: Yeah, I feel, I mean, obviously I'm rooting for the Rebels, but uh, you kind of just hope they come down and dump it in (laughs) and and just it along the boards and, and but at the same time like you said you can't you can't call the dogs off entirely that's where you get hurt flying tonight and injuries start to happen right playing out speed so um, good for the rebels uh, I don't know if score differential we've talked a, a, a bit about the ACHA and their rankings and what matters and what doesn't but uh, if score differential does come into play in whatever system they use um, that it sort sure does, of sure doesn't hurt to drop a 20 spot on on uh, somebody going into the final leg
3: of the season. No, I mean, that's absolutely correct. And it seems to be, you know, because they don't exactly spell out how they come up with the ranking, it seems to be more of a strength of schedule thing. I mean, that seems to be the the big thing. And, you know, (laughs) here's the two problems. Well, the one problem for UNLV is they they really can't hope to catch number one, Williston State, out of North Dakota – Uh, apparently somehow they're in the West, Uh, but um, they can't hope to catch them because North Dakota is going to play two more games against Minot State, uh, who is a division one club team. So that they give it almost as if they give you more credit for at least making the attempt to play a division one team. So it's crazy. They just need to be in that top two to automatically go to Columbus. Uh, The fate is in their hands next weekend against Northern Arizona and Arizona Uh, Arizona State, and if they at least split those two games against Northern Arizona, a team they've already beaten twice this year, uh, they'll be securely in that number two spot easily. That's what we're looking
0: forward to. Let me bring in
2: Chris. Chris, uh, what do you got for Dana this week? Hey, Dana, I got a couple hits for you here. Um, Sure. So it was reported uh, last Sunday in New York's Newsday that a NHL club reached out to the Islanders for permission to talk with Jack Capuano, which was granted and it's been bandied about uh, that possibly that team is the Vegas Golden Knights. Have you heard anything along those lines?
3: Uh, Jack Capuano's name has not come up at all. I've never heard that that was... uh, We had Steve Carpon, the the beat writer for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights last week and uh, most of the discussion was about Gallant and you know, look, I, if I'm George McPhee, these are the people that are available right now. So, I mean, he flat out said we've talked to a lot of people. That doesn't mean that they're going to be our next head coach. I mean, you know, if you listen to the media in Boston, if they did not beat the Detroit Red Wings, you know, Claude Julian wouldn't have a job right now, you know, again. So, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where, You know, Foley comes out and says, or Bill Foley, the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, said, look, we're going to maybe move this process up a little bit. Uh, And that makes sense to me. I think I want my general manager saying that, not my owner. Uh, But that makes sense to me as well, because it's really difficult to understand how they can have these mock drafts without having at least a type of coach in mind. That that they were going to put with the team that they they hopefully will ultimately get. But um, I I th- I agree with that. I don't I don't think you wait too long, but you got to wait long enough to see if any of these names that I think bring a little bit more to the table, uh, perhaps are let go by their teams. And hey, look we look at St. Louis. I mean, is Hitchcock going to be there the whole year? I mean we. If St. Louis is in a position where they may not even make the playoffs, I mean, do we make the move now to Yo? So I'm not saying that Hitchcock's the answer here, but of that name value, uh, I think you have to wait a lot longer to see what's available.
2: Yeah, my other question was, I was reading a pretty good article this, uh, the, uh, the end of the week, uh, and obviously, well, we had George McPhee on here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Everyone should check out that interview. You haven't already uh, joined it on uh, SoundCloud. But uh, he he said, look, our elite players uh, coming into this organization they come from the draft. And I was reading about how they brought people in for special interviewing techniques yeah. when they meet with yeah. these kids in terms of their character, also the analytic approach that they're using, Uh, alternative analytics, if you will, uh, so they can find these, you know, diamonds in the rough you, you know, unless they make a major trade somehow, uh, you know, odds are they're only going to have one first round pick. So uh, they're going to have to find some diamonds in the rough, if you will, or in those other rounds. Do you have any insights on those two things that you can expand upon?
3: Well, I I can't say the, the comments about the interview struck me as a little, little odd. I, I'm not sure who you're bringing in to teach you how to conduct an interview, and maybe we're reading into that a little bit more than than we should. But uh, I don't know. I mean, you've been doing this for for a very long time. I would think that you would like somebody would know how to interview a kid and and know what you're getting. i I, that's a very peculiar to me. And next time I I talk to either Carp or, or McPhee, I'll ask them. You know, who are you? Who are they specifically bringing in to teach you how to do interviews? Um,
2: I, you know, well, as it might far as kind I'm, of the tr- tricks of the trade, if you will, Dana. You know, in terms of these subtle little things that could give them a bit of an insight of uh, you know kind of the background of the kid, or is this a hardworking kid? You know, things of that nature. And uh, we're in the information age, of course, so, you know, every little bit helps. I, I, I tend to would think it would be along those lines, but that's just an educated guess.
3: Oh, I'm sure that's true. I, I'm sure that's true. I mean, I'm sure McPhee's not asking somebody to come in to do his job, but at the same time, I, I would think that he would have some sort of an handle on those nuances as well. So, it, you know, again, there, there needs to be some clarification on what specifically that means, but that just kind of struck me as odd when I when I had read that, and I'm not the only one. So we'll get we'll get some clarification on that next time we talk to either one of them. Do
0: you think possibly that it's a workload issue that was so much to do and so many sure inter- interviews to conduct that he just wants another voice in his ear and another guy oh, yeah. he's comfortable with doing those interviews that he can trust on the way back.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, look—that's uh, as good of an explanation as any. Um, absolutely, and that's what I said. I mean, you need you need some clarification on what that means. It just kind of strikes me as as a, a strange way to put it uh, on the uh, on the outside because I haven't heard anybody else go to
1: those uh-huh. lengths
3: to, to to help out with interviews. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into the the.
0: We're we're here at the All Star break. We're about fifty games in. Um, anything surprising uh, this well, this far into the season, and um,
3: what's going as expected? Well, I can I can tell you. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins is going are going as expected. I like I like them. I, I've liked them for a very long time. I know that you know losing to Boston doesn't look good, but you know obviously they've had some injuries there, but. Um, I I still love the Penguins. I mean, I still love the fact that you can roll out four lines. They could put the puck in the back of the net. But as far as surprises are concerned, you know, I have a real hard time. And I know that, you know, some people like to have a little bit more seasoning on on these teams. But is it inconceivable that even more so, like with the Edmonton Oilers and the West, that they're not going to have a deep playoff run. Is that so inconceivable to think about? And then in the East with, with Toronto, um, these teams are not regressing. They're progressing. And if you have a situation in the in the East, it is, it is almost a, – a, it is certainly a possibility or a reality that Pittsburgh and Washington could end up knocking each other out. So it's not out of the realm of – of uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Toronto and Edmonton could make deep runs in the playoffs. And at this point right now, I I expect them to do so. I mean, you look at the teams in the central, the Chicago's power play. I mean, their their penalty kill is absolutely horrific Has been horrific all season long. St. Louis is is, no matter what I've heard this week about their speed. I I saw them up close and they didn't look very fast to me. And that goes to the same thing for the Anaheim Ducks. So, I, and look, we've seen what wins Stanley Cups, and yes, Edmonton and Toronto probably doesn't have the, the season that you would like out of those two teams at this point, but as far as I'm concerned, well, I'm telling you, uh, Talbot has been playing exceptionally well for, for Edmonton, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, they're as close to what I saw won, winning the Stanley Cup last year as anybody else. I think dry title is
0: also having a great a great. year Absolutely. With, uh, with, with Edmonton. So the, my question with, with Edmonton as far as the deep run goes is can is Kenny, Kenny, he's never really carried the load through a playoff run. So that's. I see Freddie Anderson in Toronto, um, more seasoning with the Ducks, obviously. Uh, that's a couple of really solid playoff runs. Um, as far as in the net goes, I, I think I tip my hat in sports. Toronto, but as far as overall, teams, like we were talking uh, early in the season, and we talked about uh, point totals over and unders, and I thought that Phoenix was a sure bet for the under, and I think I'm going to catch that, and I, if I, if I <laughs> yes, remember you I'm correctly, Edmonton, Edmonton was an 87.5, and, and I thought um, bringing Milan Lucic in, a, a, I'm big on locker room presence, I, I really like uh, I really like to have that. those veterans in the locker room, and I think maybe understated is his leadership uh, contributions in Edmonton. And um, as far as, as team play goes, uh, trading Hall for Larson, uh, the defense corps they brought to in a couple of years ago, and their defense corps, obviously. What, what's surprising uh, more than anything is that we're sitting here in, in late January talking about both Toronto and
3: Edmonton going to the playoffs at all. Not, that's exactly correct. That's why I, I'm saying, you know, we have people saying, oh, you know, it, it's going to be Chicago, it's going to be St. Louis. It's like, why not these teams? They have everything that you could want. They are they're fast teams. They're, they, they've got guys that, that I mean, they're, they're not as deep as Pittsburgh. But here's the one thing that I love to look at. I love to look at shots on goal and then, and then goals per game. And what I want to see is, do you put a lot of, I mean, outside of you know actually watching them, do you put a lot of shots on goal on a, on a nightly basis, and are those shots going in? And that's telling me you're getting quality opportunities. You get a team like the Boston Bruins that are putting a ton of shots on goal, but they're they're in the lower half in scoring. I mean, they are not they're they're a perimeter offensive team that does not get a lot of greasy goals, and that is that is one thing. I mean, a heart. I mean, we talk about bringing Lucic on to Edmonton. Hart is one of the things that the Bruins are miss- missing right now. And I don't, I don't mean heart by Marshan's flu-footing people. I mean just that grit in the corners <laughs> that those battles that they used to win, they're not winning anymore. But I, but I agree with you. When you hit the playoffs, that factor of having Lucic on your team, I think is a huge difference uh, versus uh, other teams that are not as gritty. For sure. Well,
0: uh, we got we got our next guest on the line. So real real quick, let's give me give me a Saturday Night Special handicap uh, on the All Star Game.
3: Yeah. What's crazy about this is I'm trying to find you know so I got to write these columns and I got to find some articles about the odds on today's you know events and and I really can't find too much out there. Um, We do have the uh, the skills competition. Uh, tonight and then of course the game tomorrow. But as far as the winner of, you know, a three-on-three tournament, you know, you would kind of figure that the Metro would be the favorite, which they are. You know, let's, I don't know, let's take it, let's take a chance on the Pacific Division. You're getting plus uh, 300 back on that. Uh, I wouldn't go on the Metro because that looks too easy. But you know, these games are coin flip, coin flips, and they should be treated as such. This is not something you should dive into your bankroll to bet
0: okay okay that's where i thought we were headed but uh let me let you go i got mark bowie on the line ready to talk about some minnesota wild hockey and uh dana thanks again as always and make sure you follow dana at dana lane nhl on twitter for all all the updates on unlv and vegas golden knights he's in the know and he's, he's definitely worth paying attention to dana thanks again sir we'll talk to you next week
3: okay guys have a good week
0: thanks dana and now we'll bring in Mark Bowie. He's a Minnesota Wild contributor for thehockeywriters.com. Mark, thank you for taking the time to join us today.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Well, uh, let me let Chris kick off the questions here. I monopolized pretty much uh, pretty much of the last segment with Dana. There, uh, Chris, why don't you go ahead and get us started? I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and change over from the the audio I'm using onto. Uh, my regular setup. Now that I'm back at the house here, so Chris,
2: take it away, and I'll try
0: and jump back in in just a second.
2: Sounds good. Well, Mark, thanks for coming on. Uh, uh, everyone out there, you can follow Mark. He writes for the Hockey Writers. Uh, that's the com on the Minnesota Wild, and you can please give him a follow on Twitter at Bowie B O W I E Puck. And so, Mark, one of the things, obviously, the Wild are having a terrific season. Uh, you look at the, the, the categories in terms of offense, defense, specialty teams. But one of the things that has jumped out to me is, you know, the, the amount of diverse scoring that they're, they're, they're currently getting, and so much so that uh, Jason Pommagel and Zach Parisi are kind of uh, secondary contributors, if you will, uh, so important players. But uh, why don't you break that down a little bit for us?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Minnesota, they're, they're basically offense by committee this season. Uh, like you mentioned Zach Parise, Jason Palminville, they're now on the, on the third line with uh, Eric Halla. Uh, pretty, pretty deep team as far as, as far as their forward core goes. Uh, first line, Eric Stahl, uh, the big off season acquisition that they had this summer. Uh, he's playing there with, uh, Charlie Coyle and, you know, need right now. And, and all, uh, Pretty much all the young guys that they have on their team right now—Coyle, uh, Niederreiter, uh, Jason Zucker, uh, Mikhail Granlund—as well—they're all having career seasons. Uh, I don't know if it's just the maturity of their age right now, as they get into their mid-20s, or if it's more of an effect uh, of their new head coach there, Bruce Boudreau, if he knows how to how to get the best out of out of his young guys and and develop them properly. Uh, he's been around. Quite a few seasons now, he's had uh, different teams uh, compared to the Wild, but, uh, yeah, the offense, it's, it's definitely by committee this season. There's no superstar on that roster. Uh, Parise over his superstar days, if you if you could have called him a superstar back when he was with uh, New Jersey, but, uh, no, they have a lot of depth. Three lines, anyway, three lines deep on that team.
2: And, you know, I've been a big fan of Zank Parise uh, being, uh, being out here on Long Island uh, is Lay father the plane for the Islanders um still pains me that they didn't draft him drafted Robert Nielsen anyway well, it, it's still it, it's the pain is still there but uh obviously yeah. you know he didn't play in the playoffs last year due to a back condition uh you heard a lot of things about it last year uh, that is always a very scary thing when someone has a serious an athlete has a serious back condition and it it appears well he's been you know healthy to play this year that is uh his production is down you know are the days of zach parisi being a dominant player over still a player who could be a leader and a a, a real good contributor but in terms of being a dominant player it, does it appear and i believe now he's 31 32 uh are those days over
1: it, it would appear that way unfortunately um he, he was a really good player, like you said, back when he was with New Jersey. Uh, in his first few seasons with the Wild, too, they were pretty good. He's had uh, some 30-goal seasons with Minnesota. Uh, the last last couple seasons haven't exactly gone his way, where he did miss a, a chunk of time at the end of the season last year with a herniated disc, and he missed all the games in the playoffs. Now, he chose to go the rehab route over over the surgery route when he was recovering from that back injury. I don't know if it's something that might still be nagging him now uh, this season. He says that he's healthy, but his play on the ice, he's still giving effort. He's giving a lot of effort every shift, but I don't know if he's just a step slower. He doesn't seem to have as much time and space as he had in the past, and it kind of shows in his numbers as well. His shots per game are down uh, pretty much one shot less per game than he had last year even and his shooting percentage is, is quite lower as well. So I don't know if if we've seen the end of him being a, a dominant player. He's more now a complimentary player on this team. He his ice time's down too, but he's still getting, I think, eighteen minutes a game. So it's not it's not as if he isn't being played. He gets lots of power play time. Um, he he does have not the best line mates at the moment. Palmville's another veteran, kind of in the same boat, and Eric Hall is still a bit of an unproven uh, commodity so I I don't know if you can look at that as well but yeah he is getting a lot less shots per game his shooting percentages down and he seems like maybe maybe even half a step too uh, slow compared to what he was before he's still an effective player though so don't get me wrong he's still useful Um, another thing you want to look at too with uh, Parise though is I think he's eight more seasons on that contract after this year so we'll see how it goes uh, down the road with him.
2: Yeah, now Devin Dubnik is having, you know, our, you know, obviously he's going to be, uh, keeps this up, one of the finalists for the Vesna Trophy. I guess uh, the thing that jumps out to me is in how little Darcy Kepner has played. Uh, given that the Wild, I mean, obviously I know they want to win the division. Uh, they're in a fight with it with the, uh, with the Blackhawks, but, you know, they have a little bit of a lead as well as, uh, I believe, multiple games in hand. Do you, I mean... Uh, How is that rotation, are they going to keep that same rotation as is, and is that a worry in terms of how much they're playing Dubnik, and is this a possible trade scenario for the Wild between now and the deadline, and trying to improve that back-up goaltending situation?
1: Yeah, right now they they definitely are relying on Devin Dubnik uh, pretty much on a nightly basis. Uh, Darcy he he's... I think he's played 10 games this season, so that gives Dubnyk 38 of the 48 games played so far, uh, about a 65-game pace. So it, it's not a workload that he hasn't seen before, actually last year I think he finished with 67 games played in the regular season, so he he uh, he can handle the workload, it's just it is a question of do they want to go into the playoffs riding Dubnyk like they are, they may give him more of a break now that they do have the lead in the uh, Western Conference, So. Uh, they they might get uh, come for some more games just to see what they have in him this year, uh, and just to determine too if they do uh, need to go out and, and get another backup goaltender as insurance. Um, I don't know who they would be looking at in terms of another backup uh, for guys available. I don't know if they want to look at Boston, who's who's probably out of it right now. Get a uh, Anders Nilsson. I know he's another big goaltender who who might benefit from the same playing style as Dubnik has. Uh, become accustomed to there in Minnesota. But yeah, he's, he's definitely a workhorse. Uh, if, if it was, uh, if I had to guess, I would think that they would uh, decrease his workload a little bit in the second half of the season, just to make sure he is good to go come play half time.
0: Well, this, this is Mark again. We're on the Vegas hockey podcast talking with Mark Bowie about the Minnesota wild. Uh, you guys can hear me now, right? Yep.
2: You, you sound good. all right.
0: Uh, Okay, much better than than yapping through my earbuds. Good. So, uh, so so everyone knows Coach Bedro come in, and uh, every team he's been with, he's he's brought about regular season success. And the knock against him, obviously, is that he hasn't ever won the Stanley Cup or, or even was able to take the Capitals deep into the playoffs after some Presidents Trophy seasons. Uh, what is it about this Minnesota Wild team that would encourage the state of hockey that this? this may be a different Bruce Boudreau and how deep of a playoff run can they make with coach Boudreau behind the bench?
1: Yeah, definitely. He's, uh, it's, it's been well documented that he's a, been a regular season coach. You could say he's had a lot of success in the regular season, which hasn't really carried over into the playoffs. So, uh, again, right now, Minnesota's in first place in the Western conference They're leading the their division. Um, so he's right on track to what he's accustomed to. I think he has eight division right. titles to his name. So in the playoffs, though, it's a, it's going to be a different story as well. We'll see what Minnesota is really made of. They are a more veteran team, so they do have the depth, the veteran leadership, the guys like Pommonville Parise, who have been captains of teams before, Eric Stahl as well, a big addition, uh, I'm sure, in the locker room. Um, other veteran guys there like uh, Ryan Suter, uh, he's a workhorse on the on the blue line who who should be able to uh, shut down opposition. Uh, now, other than Boudreaux, he's brought in a pretty good staff to help him out as well with Scott Stevens there coaching the defense, John Anderson nice. uh, helping out the forwards there as well. So they both, uh, both are experienced coaches. Uh, Stevens has the defense playing well as a unit. They're uh, controlling gaps better. Uh, they play their man, their man pretty well. So, I don't know. They they might have to go out and and acquire maybe one more veteran to to plug in there uh, down in the bottom six to kind of help Miko Koivu handle the load with uh, with shutting down the opposition's uh, top scoring threats. Uh, right now, they're basically a three line team. The fourth line doesn't see a lot of ice time. So uh, I don't know who they'd be looking at, but uh, another veteran. Uh, fourth line center and even another fourth line winger to play down there with that uh, Chris Stewart could help them out immensely.
0: You mentioned Eric Stahl, and I wanted to get into that a little bit. His was he the steal of the off season as far as UFA signings goes? As far as the what the, what they're paying him, what his cap number is, and what his contribution has been, and and is that, uh, is that surprising to Wild Nation at all?
1: It's looking that way. I know when when he first signed with Minnesota, it didn't really come across as a, a huge signing. It was a a big signing for them because they didn't have a lot of depth down the middle at the time, but him coming in, he was coming off three seasons in a row, I think, where his numbers had been decreasing uh, steadily. Uh, he didn't really right. look uh, like himself when he was traded to New York. He was playing the wing, I think, mostly there, but uh, he, he wasn't, he wasn't contributing. He didn't get a lot of points when he was in New York. And I think he may have even been scoreless in the playoffs. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but he didn't close out strong the last couple years in Carolina too. He was not as engaged as we'd been accustomed to seeing him play. Uh, and it could be the effect of playing for a team that has barely seen any playoffs in the last decade uh, since they won the cup back in 06. So sure. uh, him, him coming to Minnesota, it, it, it didn't receive a lot of fanfare, but right now it is looking like it could potentially be the steal of the summer as far as UFA signings go. He is playing first-line center. He's 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 showing that he still has the fire, and he's he's playing hard out there. He battles along the boards, wins a lot of puck battles. Uh, he sets up his teammates on a regular basis, and when he gets a shot at the net, he he takes it. And a lot of the times, the puck's going in this year, so he's, uh, he's proving that... Uh, that he's not done and he has a couple more years and we're hoping that he's going to keep it up for Minnesota.
0: Right. Right. Well, let me, uh, since this is the Vegas hockey podcast, what I want to talk a little bit about uh, expansion and what you project them to protect and, and leave available for the Vegas golden Knights come June. What, uh, what kind of roster do you think they're going to leave exposed for George McPhee and Mr. Foley to pick over?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a big decision for Minnesota there as far as expansion goes because no matter which way they go, if they go seven three one or or four four, they're going to be exposing a pretty good player. I I think looking at the roster and their options that they have, I think they will be going seven three one. A big question mark too, even when they do protect seven forwards, is Jason Palmintowe. What are they going to do with him? Because he does have a no movement clause. If he hadn't had that in his contract, I'm pretty sure he would not be one of the the seven fours being protected. So we'll see what they do with him. Um, assuming they do protect him though they also have to protect uh, Parise Koivu who, who both uh, own no-movement clauses as well. And then you're looking at the young guys uh, Granlund, Coyle, Niederreiter, Zucker and even Halla. So you can only pick four of those guys. Uh, you're going to be leaving a, a Jason Zucker and a, probably Eric Holla exposed that way. Uh, Zucker might be attractive to Vegas, being. being what well, I was gonna uh, say, Vegas. I would, uh,
0: I'd, I'd trade you guys a, probably a third round pick if you could just leave him out there for us. We need a little bit, <laughs> you know, a little homegrown talent to start things off. In Vegas, wouldn't be a bad, a, a bad look for, for the boys. And and hope, I, I mean, I know Zucker wants to play, on a first place. Team, but uh, it's got to be a little bit attractive to come back to your home down and start an NHL franchise. What about on the defensive side of things for for Minnesota? Who might be available that could entice them to to leave soccer there in Minnesota?
1: Yeah, definitely for uh, for defense. They if, if they go seven three one, they'd be protecting uh, Ryan Suter, Jared Spurgeon for sure, and then they would have a, a choice between Jonas Brodin, Matt Dumba, and uh, Marco Scandella. I'm thinking it comes down to Brodin and Dumba. Uh, a lot of people have different opinions on this choice, but if it was if it was me, I would be protecting Jonas Brodeen. He's he's a more proven uh, commodity. He's pretty a pretty calming influence back on the blue line, and and uh, he's having a big bounce back season this year after a bit of a, a troubled uh, season last year. Then that means you would have to expose Matt Dumba. So that's a seventh overall pick, I think, in 2012. Uh, high potential blue liner who's who's still clawing his way up to reaching that potential he's not quite there yet and i don't know if he'll ever get there but he he is improving and uh, he's he's a pretty good offensive defenseman he likes the big hits and everything like that he's a flashy type of player and and those type of players too they're they're prone to mistakes so i don't know that he'll he has some work to do but i think they'll be leaving dumba and scandela exposed so dumba versus zucker is pretty much what it would come down to if, if, I, if, I like
2: either my, one of if those matt, if, if matt dumba uh, and I, I understand uh uh your thinking uh there mark uh, in, in terms of protecting ravine but if from a george mcee standpoint and uh they give an age upside you know even cap pit uh if matt dumba is exposed uh I, I think you have to protect you have to take
1: him. Yeah, you would. I I wouldn't hesitate twice to take him. If I was Vegas and I saw him on the exposed list, there'd be no question. I'd be I'd be looking hard at Matt Dumba. Uh, like I said, a seventh overall pick uh, just a few years ago. Uh, he's still developing. He's got decent size. Uh, he he is on a bridge contract right now. Uh, I think he has one more year left on it after this season, and then he'll be looking for a for a long term deal. So he has to play his way into that and. That's something that Jonas Brodin already has. He's, he's signed for a few more years at a bit over four million. Um, so, and you got to remember too that Brodin he's only 23 years of age right now, so he's not like he's a an older veteran. So both of those guys are pretty young.
0: Well, I, I agree. Uh, I agree with Chris that that Dumbo would have to would have to be the choice over Zucker just because I've said, and I get the feeling from from Mr. McPhee that the kind of the kind of players they're looking for aren't going to be the, you know, the Roberto Luongo's if if he's available or the Dustin Browns kind of players that are, are really, you know, cap, cap casualties, if you will, as they're, they're declining. You know, Luangos' play is not declining, but do you sign a 41-year-old goalie with – or do you take one with four years left on his deal? Probably not. Uh, Dustin Brown, good leadership, cup champion, but way underperforming his contract but the, when you start looking around the league at at players that were first round picks, second round picks that haven't really come up to you know w- where their current team was hoping they would be May, those kind of players may just need a fresh start and a different system, and to go with some of those younger players. And even if they got to go, and I don't think Doomba would. But there's other players around the league that were, you know, eighth overall, you know, twenty third overall, early second round picks that just have been up and down from the A to the to the NHL, and haven't really found a spot in their in their club. Where if you get you know, ten or fifteen of those players around the league, you stock your AHL team. Um, give those guys a couple more years experience, and then bring them up. I think there's going to be a heavy portion of those type players uh, on the Vegas roster come June 23rd. So, uh, you know, uh, but you know, if they do protect him, I, I gotta keep my eye on Zucker. There's going to be a lot of a lot of Zucker jerseys in in the in the stands for sure if uh, we're fortunate enough for that to happen. Anyway, let me throw it back over to Chris. I know you wanted to jump in one more time before we have to let you go.
2: Yeah, I got one last one for Mark. Uh, uh, and again, uh, we'll definitely have Mark back on uh, as we hit, get near the playoffs. A uh, tremendous job by him. Please follow him for sure. on Twitter at, at Bowie Puck, B-O-W-I-E Puck, P-U-C-K. And please uh, check out his articles at thehockeywriters.com on the Minnesota Wild. And uh, Mark, my last question for you is, uh, based on what you've said in terms of the trade deadline coming up uh, at the end of February, it sounds like, you know, from, a, you know, kind of small deals, improving that fourth line, you know, we'll have to see about the backup bully. But if Minnesota is going to make a significant deal, it would be to get, uh, improve that winger along with Parisi and Pomonville and maybe that move uh, uh, move that player down to the fourth line. You can improve the fourth line that way too. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe a change up Doan or Jerome McGigma, someone along those lines. Uh, is that a, is that a possibility?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out. I, I those two guys uh, being captains at one point or another, down the captain of the Coyotes, Aguinla uh, the former long time captain of the Flames. They'd bring a lot of veteran leadership into that team as well, bring some more uh, another voice into the locker room. So I definitely wouldn't uh, turn a blind eye to one of those two. At this point in their careers, though, I don't know how effective they would be. Uh, Come playoff time, though, it it is always a different story in the playoffs. Those two guys are warriors. They've been proven to be warriors, so they would probably step up their game uh, in the playoffs. Uh, One big acquisition that they might look at uh, if they do want to bump Eric Halla down to the fourth line, for example, is they could look at a Marty Hansel out of of, uh, Arizona, Uh, somebody that would slot nicely in there as a third-line center. Uh, the only thing with that is the price tag. I don't know what uh, Chuck Fletcher is willing to pay uh, to to acquire a rental type of player uh, of that magnitude. So we'd have to see. Uh, other than that, I I could only see them realistically looking at fourth line center, fourth line winger, maybe depth D, just to just to have some security back there as well. One last. Oh, one I, sort of, uh, I Go ahead. Uh, real
2: quick, Mark uh, is uh, you know because a lot of people been you know talking about expansion they say well wait a minute guys there's no way minnesota is going to lose a mac Dumba, you know for nothing so if by the end of the by the end of the season they'll just trade him uh to toronto or to you know one of these teams dying for defense and they'll get the best package that they can be draft picks or players who do not have to be exposed to the expansion, then then lose them for nothing. The only problem with that, with a team like Minnesota, is then okay if they do do that. Uh, let's say, let's say they trade them for a first-round pick and a top prospect. It's Toronto. Just spitballing here. Is a guy like Brodeen then will be next in line, and and then if Vegas takes Brodine, uh now Minnesota just lost two, defense. So it's not. Yes, exactly. It's it, not as easy said and then done. I, I would think. I'd like to get your opinion on that.
1: Yeah, it's it's a good point by you. It, it is something that they would have to evaluate uh, in house just to see what would be best for their for their plans going forward. Because, like you said, if if they do end up trading Matt Dumba to to Toronto, say for for draft picks or for prospects that are exempt from the expansion draft and then they do go ahead and lose Dumba, and then they'll lose another guy on top of that. I don't know if they'll lose Brodine, because I think they would protect him for sure under that uh, situation, but they would still potentially lose another solid defenseman like uh, Marcos Candela or like the Vegas native there, Jason Zucker. He could be the the surefire choice at that point. So you have to decide if if, uh, losing Matt Dumba and that's it. Is it the preferred way to go, or do you want to lose Matt Dumba and Jason Zucker? Meanwhile, you might replenish a draft pick or something. So it is something that they would have to look at and evaluate, I'm sure. And I'm sure they have looked at all situations because they're going into the expansion draft, Minnesota is probably one of the teams that is destined to lose one of the, the best players to expansion because their, their team is – the way their team is made up, there's no real superstars, but it's a really deep roster. So no matter what way they go to protect uh, – Forwards or D, they're they're going to end up losing a pretty good player.
0: Well, all right, that's about all the time we have for today, Mark. Thanks again for coming in. I want to get uh, I want to get you back on here, like Chris said, as we get closer to the playoffs, and and I think Minnesota has has as good a chance as anyone coming down the stretch to take that number one seed. Uh, we were talking with Dana Lynn a little bit earlier, and he mentioned that Chicago special teams have just been way below par for them this year. And uh, with Dubnik having a flashback to his play down the stretch from two years ago, um, yeah. I, I got to say that they've got as good a chance as any there in the central uh, Nashville's coming yeah, on a little do, bit, yeah. but, but there's, they're still a little bit farther back. So uh, we get closer to playoff and we got some seeds, uh, seating and matchups we'll we'll talk to you later on down the road sir appreciate your time
1: alright thanks a lot thanks for having me on uh, it's our pleasure thanks Mark
0: alright Chris well that wraps up another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast uh, what do we have on tap next week sir
2: uh, still working on it uh, <laughs> uh, trying to get uh, 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 a guest waiting to hear from but if not uh, um, we're, you know, we got some balls in the air, but if not, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking maybe a Bruins or Red Wings guest if that other guest doesn't come through. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Obviously the week after that, we're set. People mark your yep. calendars for Sunday, February, February 12th, three o'clock Eastern noon Pacific. Obviously once the show's over, you can listen to it at any time on cloud, on iTunes, Google Play uh, on Hockeywriters.com as well, and we're going to have our trade deadline show with uh, Zach Devine of the Hockey Writers, as well as many other sites. He and uh, San Jose Sharks draft expert, yada yada yada. Man does it all. Uh, we have JG Stiles of Cali Sports News uh, in terms of the Kings, the Pacific, and we have our uh, Matt Pryor, a huge uh, uh, friend of the show, also part of the Hockey Writers, writes about the Dallas Stars and and the Florida Panthers. In fact, man, Mr. Pryor was at the Thursday night game, uh, in Florida again, uh, between the lightning and the Panthers. So, uh, uh, always good to have, uh, to have Matt on. So we're absolutely we got that in the work. It was great having, having Marco. We've been talking about having a wild guest for, for two years now. And it was, yeah. <laughs> by the, I think most probably was, was tremendous. And, uh, uh, you know, this is, this is going to be an interesting team because, uh, like you said, Mark, uh, uh, they have an excellent chance to get to the Cup Final, uh, but then you have the bugaboo in terms of, uh, you know, Bruce Boudreau, you know, the Wilders, they've always been a really good team, but they've yet to really have a deep playoff run. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, hold on to that division, uh, they win the Central, they'll get a wild card team. Uh, you know, again, a lot of times with these things, it's matchups and, and you know, how the how, how certain things fall, like... You guys were mentioning the Oilers before, and I was just thinking of that. I was like, well, you know, to me, if the Oilers uh, get the Sharks or the Ducks in the first round, you know, i give them a 50-50 chance, I think, against the Ducks, but I don't like their chances at all against the Sharks. But somehow, if they were to win the division, which, you know, it, it's uh, almost a three-way tie in the Pacific now, and if they, you know, then we get a wild-card team, depending upon who that would be. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of things at play here, a lot of, you know, uncertainty in terms of who can make a deep playoff run. but the wild, uh, really shouldn't take a backseat to, to, to anyone And the depth that they have is, uh, uh, you got, you got to like their, you got to like their chances.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, especially, and, and certainly I've said, I said it before and I'll say it again. Um, uh, you can't count out Chicago. Um, no. Those, those guys are those guys are 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 cockroaches after the nuclear holocaust. They just don't die and they won't die. Um, so that's I'm, uh, again I'm, really, I'm, really on,
2: I'm still on the sharks though. I gotta be honest with you, and we'll talk about this in the trade deadline, but I am on the sharks, especially if San Jose and Doug Wilson could land another. Secondary score, kind of like that Shane Doan. Kind, I think Shane Doan would be a great fit for the Sharks. Uh, kind of trade, uh, and there, you know, talk about do you get any more than a now team than the San Jose Sharks? So uh, I would, I would be surprised if they weren't going to be somewhat all in at the trade deadline, given that.
0: What, what? I wouldn't think you'd have to give up too much for for a, a Shane Doan. Um, I always well, get worried, again, again, and,
1: you
2: know, yeah, go
0: ahead. Well, I always get worried when you're a first place team and I was going to make that point with Mark, but we ran out of time there, but I always get worried when you are a first place team and you pull the trigger and you lose rosters, players, I And mean, if they could get him for a pick and or a couple of picks and a prospect, that's one thing. But yeah, I always get nervous about chemistry. You know, I'm not a bit. I mean, I believe the analytics, right. and I think there's a story to be told from them. But I'm a, I'm a chemistry, and I'm a locker room kind of a guy, and I'm a eye test kind of a player. And if you're a first place team, I don't know how much. You know, we looked. And perfect example a couple of years ago. What did, uh, what did Chicago do? They brought in Ladd. They brought in uh, Dale Weese um, yep. a couple other players. And at the time we did the show, I, I said, well, there goes Chicago, another Stanley cup. And what it didn't work out that way. So I think you gotta be, and, and it's just me, but I think you gotta be careful when, you, when you're already a very, very good team on what you do to the chemistry in the room, because I think it matters more in hockey than in, in really any other sport.
2: I agree with all that. Uh, I do think the, and again, Zach will be the better judge and uh, being, uh, guy on the uh, west coast like yourself and being that it's a pacific division rival and knowing shane donan as well as he does i lo- I'm really look forward to getting his take if that would be a good fit but again i think you would be talking about uh the price that you paid in terms of and i'm not saying it would be cheap in terms of picks and prospects so you know do you give up a Marco and Lee mueller and a second or even a first round draft pick uh you know the Sharks did trade their first round draft pick last uh, last year. It was part of the Mar- well, it worked very well again, Martin Jones. But uh, uh, that to me would be what you're looking for. I don't think they'd be trading anyone, uh, anyone off their off their main roster. And then it comes down to right. right if uh, it sounds like he'll, this could be Shane Jones last year uh, that he wants to have a chance to win the cup and it'd be great for Arizona to acquire future assets for him, um, type of thing. So then it comes down to who's willing to pay the highest price. So and who, you know, what prospects do they like more? Um, Obviously, Arizona could definitely use uh, more players on the blue line as well as in goals, So that's something to watch out for.
0: I mean, another thing to back up your Arizona uh, trying to move Shane Doan, if it did come to pass, is that obviously he would have to be protected. So that what that does is, if they move him, that and we both we've both looked. into Arizona's farm system and their young talent. And that allows them to protect one more of their younger players going forward. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on there in Arizona. As we, uh, we'll wrap yeah. this up. Uh, we, I guess we'll have a surprise show. Hey, if nothing comes up, I could spend an hour talking hockey with Dana. Uh, and maybe, maybe we'll just talk Dana into doing the whole show. If nothing comes up, uh, I get talk, talk you with Dana all, all day long.
2: Yeah, no. We'll definitely, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll we'll probably have a little announcement by the middle of next week. Like I said, we're trying to get a certain guess? If not, uh, maybe maybe someone on the Bruins. That's a very interesting team uh, to me in terms of they're kind of half, you know, they're kind of like in a tough position of they're a now team, but they have a lot of issues in terms of being a contender. But they they I don't think they can afford to trade their future chips away like the Charlie McAvoy's of the world. So the kind of cord in between and uh, in terms of uh, are they going to make the playoffs or not. I
1: guess, I guess we'll see.
0: I guess we'll see. Well, that'll, that'll wrap it up. Make sure you follow Chris on Twitter at the NL King. Going back to his days uh, writing fantasy baseball. Uh, make sure you go over to Ion Isles FS. For all of his Islanders content, he's got his most recent one out with a new hope for the playoffs, and he's got one coming out here earlier in the week. Make sure you get over, follow him, follow Mark Bowie at Bowie Puck for all of his Minnesota Wild content over at thehockeywriters.com. And as always, you can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and most recently, our new format, blogtalkradio.com. But anyway, for Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone.